Session number 19 of uh, Stages of Akhlaq We have put behind us the veils of light, veils of darkness That was some deep stuff um, Today we want to wrap up this chapter of Tawbah, inshallah And um, he, uh, Ayatollah Jawadi brings up a few points here in regards to Tawbah That I think are you know pretty good points um, the first one, he speaks of this concept of harmony between Alam uh, al-Tashri' and Alam al-Takween. Let me explain that. He says that, uh, he says, look, we see out there certain things that happen in the, in the world that we live in, in the natural world, the world of cause and effect, yeah, this world, this normal life that we're living in, this is alam al-takween, this realm of takweeni existence. Okay. Or this realm of existence. All right. What do we have opposite to that? We have alam al-tashri'. Tashri' means not, you know, the outside world and things that are happening in the real world, but those things that God tells us to do, not to do. Yeah, legislation, do's and don'ts, things like that. What he expects of us, so we have a you have the outer outside world, and you also have um, God telling us what to do and what not to do. Okay. He says we have harmony between these two: the real, actual world, and the realm of tashri'. And he gives an example. He wants to tie this in with to- with the, to- this idea of toba. He says, look. The same way we have death in alam takween in the natural, normal world that we live in, the normal world of cause and effect, we all die, and this death is a return to Allah, and we don't have any choice in this, right? This happens whether we like it or not. وَمَا نَفْسٌ أَرْضٍ تَمُوتٌ The Qur'an says, no one knows where on earth they're going to die, okay? Where on earth they're going to die on this earth in which land they're going to die we don't know and if it was up to us we wouldn't probably want to leave this dunya right so it's not in our um, it's not in the realm of our choice death okay alam al-takween usually that's what separates it from alam al-tashri it is one is based uh, on our choice one is not what happens in the real world is it on, is it based on our choice, our decision? No, ninety-nine percent of what happens out there is not has nothing to do with what I want, what I decide on. Tashri, on the other hand, which comes from Sharia and you know legislation and do's and don'ts, those are revolve around our free will. God tells us to do things and not do things because of our free will. So these are two different realms, kind of so to speak, um, but they will be in accordance with each other there will be harmony there will be harmony between them so he says we have no choice we have to die one day and we will die one day and that will be our return to allah our return to allah through death is a takwini matter inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un then he says because we have something like this in alam takwin 
we will and and alam al taqwin is in harmony with and is in accordance with alam al tashri'ah allah will also give the opportunity for another form of death that will be voluntary another form of death in other words another return to him because death was a return to god right ilayhi raji'un ruju' so he says because these two are compatible with each other tashri' and taqwin because one follows the other and is based on the other Allah is going to give the opportunity for a mot to happen a death to happen a return to him to happen but this one will be based on our free will our choice when we want it versus normal natural death which is not in our hands is not, has nothing to do with our decision okay so he says this what are you trying to get at here Ayatollah Jawadi what it seems he's trying to get at he continues he says okay so the same way returning to something else in the natural world will have different grades the same will apply to returning to Allah there will be different grades of returning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so he gives an example in the natural world in alam al-taqween this idea of returning he gives the example of rain rain is actually water that you know that has um, evaporated and gone up from bodies of water on earth correct so he says the sea water will evaporate and go up from the sea and after a while it will precipitate and it will rain and this water will go back to the sea but then he gives he, he gives this example he says look not all water that is returning back to its origin is going to return the same way and at the same grade some of this water that ends up um, in little banks on the sides of the sea is never going to make it to the heart of the sea that rain that ends up in those fast furious streams and rivers that are dumped into the sea that water will make it to the depths and to the heart of the sea okay so both in both cases here in the natural world there is a return of water to its origin but the return is di has different grades okay then he uses this example and he goes moves on and shifts to that a tashri'i example he says all right the same way that we will have you know different grades of return there this type of return that allah has given us an opportunity for that we can choose ourselves that can also have different grades he starts with he says there's this idea of tawbah that you repent from your sins and you return to allah from your sins when we look at sin sin sometimes can be seen as sin sometimes sin can be seen as turning away from allah you can look at it from different angles it's the same thing but from one angle okay it's a sin from another angle it's turning away from allah he says there are some who do tawbah meaning what meaning that they say i'm not going to do this anymore i'm going to return to allah from this specific sin from this specific act there will be others though who will not just do tawbah they will do inaba it's called and they will be munib which means now this is my explanation of what he says he says this person will look at sin but not see it as just okay one particular sin this is falling under the category of 
turning away from Allah. Uh, and so I'm not going to just repent and turn back to Allah and return to Allah from this particular act. Through this particular act, I have materialized something else, and that is just turning away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? I'll give you an example of what I mean by this. Sometimes you have an elephant in the room, you can say there's an elephant in the room. Sometimes you have, you, you, sometimes you say there's an elephant in, a in the room, sometimes you say there's an animal in the room, okay? What's the difference between these two? It's when you negate the two from the room. If I say there's no elephant in the room, it's one thing. If I say there's no animal in the room, what does that negate? Only elephant or more than that? Anything that falls under that category, correct? This person sometimes will look at sin and say, I repent to Allah from this particular sin. I return to Allah from this particular sin. Sometimes they'll say, this is, so no more, no more, no more particular sin from me. Sometimes they'll say, no, no, no. This was a sin and it falls under the category of turning away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I repent from turning away all in all. He calls this inaba. And we have this um, in the Quran as well, this, I, this uh, term of inaba, munib. For example, the Quran says, Allah will misguide whoever He wants and will guide whoever anab, whoever does inaba to Him. Meaning what? Returns to Him completely. Yes, whole in a wholesome fashion, not just you know in specific cases. All in all, puts everything in, in Allah's hands, right? So this is inaba. So he says, the same way we have harmony between these two, where you will have a return in the natural world, and then you will have also a return, the option of returning in the tashri'i realm of things. There will also be grades because there's grades in the takwini realm, and so the same will happen here because of that harmony. And then he opens a parenthesis. Okay? So that, that's done. We're done with that. But there's a parenthesis here that's opened because he really wants to drive this point home. This point of there being harmony between taqween and tashri'a. Okay? He really wants to drive this home. So he gives an even, an even better example, excuse me, for this harmony. <clears throat> Although it doesn't have anything to do with tawbah. But all in all, he wants to drive this point home. And I, I was very happy when I saw this. Because I've been looking for this forever. You know, you hear this from the ulama, but you never have it documented anywhere. He's, he's saying it, at least in his book. Um, and it's a long discussion. I'm just going to make it as short as possible. He says, another example of harmony, of taqween, what's happening outside, the natural world, and tashri'ah. Between... What's happening out there of cause and effect versus what Allah has in mind and what Allah has in mind of do's and don'ts for us is, uh, he gives a few verses as an example and then I'll explain. He says, for example, the Quran says, كُتَبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامِ كَمَا كُتَبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ That Allah has written on you and upon you, what? That you fast. Okay. What else do you have? Kutiba alikum al qitalu wa huwa kurhul lakum. Allah has written upon you and made it wajib upon you to during the Prophet's time to fight. Yeah, and you don't like it. Yeah. So these are all tashri'i commands. Okay. Now, he says we also have the same kutiba or kataba somewhere else. 
but it's not tashri' anymore. It is takween. Meaning, it is something that Allah has done. He, doesn't even, he didn't even ask us, or is going to do. He doesn't even ask us for permission. He doesn't say it's, it's, on, it's on you, and it's based on you whether you want it or not. right? Like siyam, like qital. Those were tashri'i. So it all revolves around my decision. But there are some aspects of kitabah, and Allah writing something, so to speak, that have nothing to do with us, and whether we like it or not. And it's a good thing, by the way. Well, that's a di- another discussion. We want to use the same term though, kitaba here. So, for example, he says, "Ulaika kataba fi qulubihimul iman wa ayyadahum biruhin min." That Allah in the Quran also says, "I've written some other things as well." Well, what have you written? I have written iman, and you know, engraved, let's say, iman in the hearts. Of the people. Okay. And I have supported them, validated them, validated them, excuse me, confirmed them, whatever you want to, whatever use you, whatever word you want to use, ta'yid, ayyadahum biruhin min. And I've also complimented you with, supported you with, aided you with a ruh from myself. Someone say, well, Allah says in the Quran, نَفَخْتُ فِيهِ مِنْ رُوحِ I've given uh, you know, a little piece of my ruh, although that's not a good tafsir or, uh, or translation of the verse, but let's just for, for now, let's just say it like this, that Allah has given this ruh of His to everyone. نَفَخْتُ فِيهِ مِنْ رُوحِ Everyone has the same ruh. No, no, no. Until Jawadi explains that this is a special ruh. أَيَّدَهُمْ بِرُوحٍ min is not your normal everyday ruh, you know? Not that normal soul that Allah has given all of us. No, it's something special Allah has given. And He begins the whole sentence, an ayah, with kataba. So over there He wrote something in tashri'ah. In takween He also writes something. But who does He write it for in takween? Who does He put this strong iman that does not falter, that one does not shake after they have this engraved in their hearts? Who does He write it for? The ones who follow that kitaba of tashri' when he says kutiba alaykum siyam when he says kutiba alaykum al-qital, when he says all of these things, and he has tashri'i commands, and we decide to follow, what happens is that alam al-tashri' leaves its imprint on alam al-takween, has an effect on it. As a result, alam al-takween, something happens. In the, in the real world, in the, in the realm of cause and effect, which is Allah writes something else, but not in a tashri'i way anymore, in a taqwini way, in a cause and effect way. It happens whether we like it or not. What is that thing that happens? Iman in our hearts. And so this whole idea that, you know, I've spoken about this before, and I'm, I'm happy that he also brought this up. We think that strong iman comes from books, True, that first foundational step, and it's of the utmost importance, we spoke about this. It is knowledge from the books. But then that special iman, that strong, um, steadfast faith that a person has, by which this person never sh- is, is never shaken in their faith, that is something Allah has to give. And the moment a person thinks that that such a faith is the result of their own doing, then probably Allah is not going to give it to them. Probably. I don't know about how Allah works. I'm not his, I don't speak on His behalf. 
I don't want to sound like that either. But all in all, um, this iman comes from above. This nur comes from above. So this parenthesis he opened up is just to just to corroborate this idea of the harmony between the two. There's a kitabah here, but there's a kitabah here too. One follows the other. There's a death in this world. There's also a voluntary death. And then he, of course, he cites that famous hadith of mutu, qabla anta mutu, which can have, of course, different explanations. But he cites it here. He says, look, the hadith is saying, hey, people, die before you die. Okay. What, what according to him here, that means die a tashri'i death before you die a taqwini death. In other words, return to Allah by your own choice before you are re- returned to Allah by force. Because when you are returned to Allah by force, you might not be ready to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they might have to make you ready. And sometimes when they, wanna, when they have to make you ready, it might be a little painful of a process. The barzakh, right? That famous hadith, Imam Sadiq, he said, uh, we fear for the Shia and their barzakh. Because if you don't do the work here, the work has to happen somewhere. <laughs> you can't just be like, they'll take care of everything. If they're going to take care of everything, there's no point in us coming here to begin with. Um, the work has to be done. you got to put the work in, so to speak. So, yes. So there, that, and that's what he, Ayatollah Jawadi continues to say, is that that initial iman... Okay, is an iman that a person has from the proof that proofs of God's existence and philosophy and reading Quran and all of that. That iman, alladina amanu, everyone has such an iman. Everyone can get such an iman through you know reflection and through reading and through all of these things. But this same iman can sometimes be lost. The least is when someone sins in that moment, according to hadith, that iman has left their heart for a second at least, right? That is one form of iman, and that's why I said it's foundational, it's very important. That's what we build on. We have that iman, we act upon it as much as we can. As a result, another stronger thing that we're going to also call iman here, Allah blesses us with. Where it reaches a point where this person's iman, this iman doesn't shake anymore. That is a ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what, for example, Ahlul Bayt have. It's really, I would say, it's the result of how much ma'rifatullah one has gained through um, gaining Allah's satisfaction first and foremost. So Allah gives. For example, that famous hadith, it says, Al-ilmu nurun fi qalbi man Ilm and knowledge is not, it is what you read in the books, but there's another one as well. That it's a nur that Allah puts in the person's heart. So yeah, these two are not at uh, odds with each other, right? They don't contradict each other. That, oh wait, the Qur'an, but that's a good observation. That's a good observation. Because the same term is used, iman, right? So here it's saying, you have to have faith, and then I'm going to take care of you. But then you're saying that, no, Allah gives faith to whoever He wants. No, no, that's a special, uh, I would say, a special uh, level of higher iman. Um, that Allah gives, yeah. And this uh, goes back to what I mentioned a few sessions ago, that I had asked um, one of those greats, I said, when a person reaches nafs mutma'innah, can they ever go back? He said, no. Ayatullah Jawadi here, he says the same thing. I was so happy to see this. He said it reaches a point where this person doesn't go back. They can't go back anymore. 
Then we see there's, there's a lot of munafiqeen during the Prophet's time. A lot of people who became murtad after the Prophet. Yeah, there were people who said, we're Prophets now, you know. Um, so someone might ask, but how come, you know, we see that people are turning back. No, no, that's the normal iman. We're not talking about the special iman Allah has given that He gives to those who continue to obey Him and seek His pleasure. And it eventually reaches a point where he's, it's proven to Allah that, okay, they're ready for that nur. They have the container, I will fill that container uh, with whatever it is that I can give them. All right, so that is the harmony between alam al-tashri and taqween. I would say that, you know, he he added some flavor to this tawbah discussion by, you know, comparing alam al-tashri to alam al-tashri. Or else, at the end of the day, tawbah is a tashri'i matter. It is it has some it is something that has to do with the do's and don'ts, what Allah wants from us. It is based on our choice and decision. Yeah, but he just kind of compared it to alam al-tashri and things that we don't have a choice and that we can actually achieve before the taqwini version of it befalls us, so to speak, okay? Then he moves on. He says that we also have another term, because look, this book is called The Stages of Akhlaq in the Qur'an, right? So he keeps bringing up uh, verses. He brings another verse up, returning to Allah, he says also, is referred to as Al-Firaru Allah. Yeah, we have this word in Farsi. We have it in probably in Urdu too. Farar. Do we have that? Farar to run, to flee, and to run away towards something, and away from something towards something. He cites the famous verse of Fafiru ilallah. That uh, escape and flee towards Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Surah Dariyat, verse fifty. All right. So he draws. A couple points here that I, f- I felt are interesting as well. Number one, he says that, um, or this one actually, I, I kind of drew this one. He doesn't say it. So if there's anything good about it or anything wrong about it, that's my fault. Okay. But what I get out of this, um, when he says, when Allah says, فَفِرُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ Flee to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What we get out of this is that everything other than Allah is to be scared of. Is to be scared of. Now, of course, we do have hadiths and maybe verses of Quran that say that the mu'min is not afraid of anyone but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what does it mean here, scared of everyone else? Why does the Quran say, flee to Allah? Are we supposed to be afraid of people? Are we supposed to run away? No, no, no. It's talking about a whole different thing here. Okay, that is different. Yes, to not fear anyone but Allah. That is speaking of from it is looking at things from one angle, but to flee from everyone other than Allah, uh, to flee to Allah from everyone and to be scared of everyone except Allah, that is looking at it from another angle. When it says fafiru ilallah, I am going to be scared of everyone out there other than Allah. Why? Because everyone else out there, no one else, no one out there is connected to something stable that I can rely on. Yeah, there's a saying in Arabic, Al-Ghariq yatashabbathu bi kulli hashish. Someone who's drowning will grab at anything they can get their hands on. What are they usually grabbing at though? They're usually grabbing at, you know, the seaweed or some plants that are growing next to the on the on the on the bank or the shore or whatever, they're, that's not going to help them. But they're going to keep grabbing at things like that because they have nothing else to grab at. 
or these tornadoes, what's the, what, what do people do when a tornado comes? They're going to run from everything and probably going to hang on to like some uh, light pole or something. Correct? That's what they're going to do. Why? Because that is something firm. That is something that's not going to be, inshallah, <laughs> depends on what kind of tornado we're talking about here, um, that, you know, is not going to be uprooted. Uh, and the tornado is not going to, yeah, uproot. So why are we scared of everyone? Accept Allah and and as a result we have to flee to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, this tawbah is being referred to as fleeing to Allah. This return to Allah is being referred to as fleeing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why are we going to be scared of everyone? Because no one out there can do anything for us on the day of judgment. What's that famous verse? If I'm getting all this wording correct, I think I am. The day that a person will flee from who? From their brother. From their mother, their father, their spouse, their children. Why? His, his clique, his gang. Right? As they say, his dogs, you know. <laughs> He's going to flee from all of them. Why? Because they can't do anything for him on that day. That's why they're fleeing. So I'm afraid of them, not because they're scary, because they can't do anything for me in the scary situation of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Right? And this also I would say, in the same context and in the same sentence, I want to say this as well. That, And I always say this. Why does the Qur'an say that the friends... You know, are going to be enemies on the day of judgment because of the same reason. Your friend can't do jack for you on the day of judgment. So it's not my friend anymore. Except the Quran says the muttaqeen. The ones who their lives revolved around the satisfaction of Allah and keeping Allah in mind and everything. That friendship is going to stay. All right. Other than that, so this is why. Why? Because kullu shay'in halikun illa wajha. The Quran says that because uh, everything is going to perish, is halik, and is going to experience halak, except the face of Allah. And we don't want to get into the details of why it says the face of Allah. It means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is not going to be destroyed when everything else is quote unquote destroyed, is halik, can't do anything. So if that's the case, Am I going to put my eggs in any basket except Allah, the, the basket of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is the only time it's good to put all your eggs in one basket, okay? <laughs> then you have the flip side. On the other hand, those who flee to Allah now, they have connected to haq. That was kullu shay'in halikun illa wajha. This time, the flip side is the Quran says Allah is the haq, the truth does the truth ever perish if it's going to perish it's not truth anymore the truth is the most stable thing that you can find out there well who is the truth, what is the truth what is al-haq itself, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so these people who are now we understand why they're fleeing quote unquote to Allah because that is the only refuge you flee to refuge these uh, war zones and these uh, these uh, places where you know the wars happen, people flee 
Why? Because they want to go somewhere that there is safety, there is aman, there is refuge. So yeah, that is the ultimate refuge. These people, once they're connected to haq, they don't have to worry about anything anymore. Imam Khomeini, um, you know, on that plane back to Iran, after the revolution, I mean, he's been in exile for 15 years, correct? And so they ask him on the plane, you know, how are you feeling now? You know, they do this after uh, basketball games, football games, everything. These reporters, they'll come, they say, how do you feel after this victory? How did they, how, how do you, that comeback, how, how did you feel? Tell me what you felt in that moment. And that's what they're always asking. All right, here they also asked him on the plane. They said, how are you feeling going back? You probably have heard this. What was his response? His response was nothing. He said nothing, hichi, nothing. In Farsi, hichi means nothing. Nothing. So some people, they mock this. <laughs> they say, oh look, after all the trouble and all the hardship and painstaking effort of the people, you don't feel anything? Come on, what is this? But those who know, they know what he meant by this line of, no, I don't really feel anything. He's connected to haq. He says, we do what we need to do. The haq, I mean, we're not worried about anything. Um, everything is in Allah's hands. He has fled to Allah. He has found refuge in Allah and with Allah. And so, is he going to be super excited or super worried or super... No, no. I mean, anyone else would be super anxious. When you look at him, you don't see anxiety in his face. So that's one point. All right? Another point from this whole idea of returning to Allah actually being a form of fleeing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's another point that comes out of this as well. Number two, that if you're fleeing, this is important. I'm kind of proud of, uh, about this point. If you're fleeing, that means you need to go as deep into that place of refuge, as deep as you can. So think about it. You're being chased by, I don't know, let's go like to a thousand years ago. You know, wars back then, how they, how, how, they work? You know, you had archers and swordsmen and all that stuff, right? So you're being chased by a bunch of archers and you're running back to your fortress, your castle. You go into that castle, they pull the gates up and then these archers are shooting arrows at you. Are you going to be like, okay, I made it into the fortress. Let me stand on the edge of the, on the, edge of the wall here. Bro, like, they're going to shoot you with the arrows. You go as deep as you can into that, uh, that safe haven of yours so that you are 110% sure that no harm will reach you. Oh, Alhamdulillah, you know, we didn't fall off the cliff, so we're just walking on the edge of the cliff. No, no, you move away from it as much as you can. If you're fleeing from something, all right, if you're afraid of something really, and you want to get away from it as much as you can, then you're going to engulf yourself and just dive in as deep as you can into that safe haven of yours. And so this is where you know these greats they shoot for the stars if they're fleeing to Allah from everything else and putting all their eggs in that basket they're going to try to get as far into there as they can so for example the wife of Fir'aun what does she say? she says that is some high flying right there oh Allah build a home in Jannah for me next to you <laughs> Right? That's awesome to look at things like that. Why not? Let's shoot for the stars. Why not? Let's try our best to go. We have in the du'as in Mafatih, وَأَسْكِنِّي فِيهِ بُحْبُحَاتِ جَنَّاتِكِ 
Oh Allah, put me in the middle of your jannahs. Not on the edge. I want to be right in the middle. That's where the good stuff happens. We have things like this in our du'as as well. Yeah, so why not? Why not uh, fly high? Now, this fleeing that he speaks of, he says there's two, he mentions two here. He says we have to flee when it comes to uh, our knowledge and, theor and, and theory. We also have to flee in action. Okay, so he wants to break that down. Let me pull that up real quick and read off of it for you. He says, for example, we have to flee. If we're, if we're trying to make it our way to Allah on this journey and returning to Him, we have to flee from jahl to ilm. From knowledge, from ignorance to knowledge. That's step one. And then after that, once we have gained that knowledge, we have to try to flee from acquired knowledge. Ilm husuli to ilm huduri or knowledge by presence. And this is something that has been spoken of here and there. You've heard it probably. It's one thing to know of God. It's another thing to have an understanding of God within you and experience God within you. To an extent, ilm huduri, and then he says, from there we have to go uh, even further and reach shuhud and all this kind of stuff that you know is pretty lofty for the likes of me to speak of. And he says, in other words, we have to go from ilmul yaqeen to ainul yaqeen to haqqul yaqeen. Once again, big words, and I love it when people speak about these things, but but it's only speech. That's all it is. These have to be actualized. But if I just want to speak about it a little bit, ilmul yaqeen means knowledge that brings about conviction for you. Okay? He says we have to go from there to ainul yaqeen where we're actually seeing things with the heart. And then not only that, move on even further and reach haqqul yaqeen, which is that you're actually feeling it, not just seeing it with your heart, you're feeling it. Example, Shaykh Mutahiri gives an example. Shaykh Mutahiri in one of his books, he gives an example on this. He says, Ilm al that first level, where you have conviction, but it is that normal conviction that everyone has. Ilm, it's Ilm, Ilm al To know something in a Yaqini way. He says an example for that, you're standing behind a wall, you see smoke going up, okay? You hear crackling noises, you're like, okay, there's a fire on that side. I have yaqeen that there's a fire on that side. Sometimes you jump the wall and you see the fire in, dis in the distance. Now, this ilmul yaqeen that comes through the athar of things, all right, that comes through the uh, signs of things and the effects of things, you actually see the thing itself. So this is ainul yaqeen. Ain means to see, right? Or, or eyes and seeing. So now you're actually seeing it. With Allah it's different. You don't see with the eyes of the face, you see with the eye of the heart. But then, he says, sometimes you get close enough to the fire that you are feeling the heat of the fire. This is haqqul yaqeen, he says. So anyway, he says, we are in a constant, if we are in Ya ayyuhal insan, innaka kadihun ila rabbika kadhan famulaqih. O mankind, you are journeying and laboring towards your Lord. And you are, in other words, I would say fleeing towards your Lord or you should be trying to flee towards your Lord. These are the things that you're fleeing from. And this, these are the different stages.
So that's with the theoretical aspect of things. Just with knowledge. He says it has to turn into, the, into something else. And you're, we're actually fleeing. And it starts from ignorance. We have to run away from ignorance. And hopefully our masjids, our centers, and all of that uh, are moving in that direction. The first step is to educate ourselves. And to read more, and to ask more, and contemplate, and all that. But then he says, there's an amali side of things as well. There's also a fleeing that happens there. If we are returning to Allah, and this return is referred to as fleeing towards Him, then uh, we have to keep uh, our focus on our actions as well, and have that journey happening there too. What do you mean? He says, the first and foremost is to flee from sin and disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says, um, and the, the, the rest that I'm going to mention are not for people like me once again. I'm a beginner. And beginners have to keep this in mind. But there will be some who have fled already from sin. They are obedient servants of Allah. Then what they have to do, he says, is to flee from obedience that is out of fear. That famous hadith we've all heard. That is out of fear towards and or or as out of you know um, our our need for and our desire for you know blessings of jannah to flee from that towards ishq love for allah and ma'rifatullah and go on and he goes on and on until he reaches the point where he says that we are fleeing from all of this to shuhud and so he brings ilm and amal together in the ilmi aspect the theoretical one that we talked about and the fleeing that happened there what did it end with? Shuhud, feeling that fire, feeling Allah. Here also, he says it starts with running away from sin and eventually ends with feeling Allah again. So these two come together actually at that point, he says. Alright, so that's another, um, another point here, that this fleeing is in these two aspects of things. <sighs> And then he brings it all back, and then he slowly wraps up. He brings it all home by saying, look, if you are taking this fleeing seriously, and you actually look at it as such, you flee to Allah, your tawbah, so he brings it back to tawbah again. Your tawbah is going to be a proper tawbah. Why? Because when you flee to Allah, whether it is from paying attention to other things, whether it's from sin, whether it's from the ignorance to all these things, whatever it is, if you are going towards Allah and you're seeing this movement and journey to Allah as fleeing towards Him, what did we say the reason for this term being used was? Fleeing. Why? Because you flee towards something because you find safety there. You find something that you can rely on there, right? So you see Allah as the ultimate power. That's why you're fleeing to Him. He says when you look at it from this perspective, when you have this proper perspective and you flee to Allah, your tawbah becomes the proper tawbah. Why? Well, you are fleeing towards Him because you find that He is the ultimate power. He is the ultimate refuge and safe haven and all of that. Correct? Yeah. Well, He saw me sin. He knows what I did wrong. Did he embarrass me in front of, and humiliate me in front of others? No. He had the power. I, I acknowledge he has the power. That's why I'm fleeing to him. He had the power to destroy me, punish me. Did he do that? No. So this brings about a sense of shame and guilt within the individual. This causes that individual out of love to do tawbah. Now, when we're young, when we're younger, we make mistakes. 
just hearing these things doesn't mean that from this day forward we're going to be perfect now no but hey we'll talk when you're 35 40 years old we'll talk when you know time passes a little bit time has to pass we have to mature we will continue making mistakes but if we know that there are these things out there right when the time comes it'll click but if we're just uh, busy with uh, other things and we don't even hear these things, whether we agree with everything that is being said or not even, but we know there's more out there, when the time comes, things will click into place, inshallah. So this, this shame makes sure that I try my best at least not to go back to that sin anymore because I understand that I'm fleeing to him. Now it's very cool um, that, <laughs> that even with when it comes to the sinning part, we're fleeing even from Allah to Allah. We have this in our du'as. Haribun minka ilayk. To this extent, fleeing is boldened. We'll have this concept of fleeing even from Allah Himself, meaning His wrath, to Him again. That's how, how much of a safe haven you find with Allah. That's how much refuge you find with Allah. That even if you're going to flee from Allah Himself, the only place you're going to flee, flee to is where? Himself. Right? So th- all of this you know, strengthens that notion within us that, okay, if that's, if that's where all the power and love is, all the safety is, I'm going to try my best and to do a proper tawbah. So I want to read this last part, because this last part is really inspirational now, of what Ayatollah Jawadi says before he ends this whole chapter of tawbah. He says, he says that it reaches a point, a person who flees to Allah, it reaches a point that this person won't even pay attention to the fact anymore that they have sinned in the past. The same way in Jannah we won't remember that we sinned, he says. He says. Why? Because of that guilt. In Jannah there is none of that hardship anymore. There is no guilt. There is no shame because of what we've done in the past. If it says, if the Quran says, and for sure this will apply to Jannah, that they don't have fear anymore, they don't have huzn and grief anymore. Well, one form of grief is guilt and shame and all of that. So he says, look, the same way in Jannah, people will not have that shame anymore. They won't even remember that they sinned in this life. He says, if you flee to Allah with the proper tawbah, it will reach a point. This is pretty cool because people ask this a lot. Oh, you know, I have, I still, you know, I still remember the sins I've done. You know, it bothers me, this and that. will continue with what you're doing. Inshallah, a time will come that you will feel as if you never sinned before. Not that it's something uh, that we should do from the beginning. He mentions this as well, to try to forget our sins. No, he'll, he'll explain. Let us get there, okay? But for now, um, just to warm us up a little, he says this. He says that it will reach a point where you won't even remember it as if you won't and even if you remember it it's not going to get your attention that much let's read it let's see what he says he says just like those in jannah who don't remember this person will not remember um that they sinned in this life even the ones who flee to allah with a proper tawbah he says that in this life people who are people of god they consider this is an important line here they consider the recollection of and remembrance of the sins they committed in the past, they consider this an aib, he says. A flaw and fault. This is something bad. It's not something encouraged. 
for these people of God. Okay, let's continue, see what he says. It says, because this is a means of shame, and when you are in the presence of the ilah, of the Lord, when you have fled to Him, there is no, there is no room for shame anymore. You are now in the safe haven. He says, of course, and this is the point I kept saying, well, let's wait to get there. He says, of course, in the beginning and in the middle of the way, remembering one's sins is a fadilah, something good. It's encouraged. Because it pushes an individual towards tawbah and inabah and returning to Allah. Okay? But in the end, okay, at, in the end of this journey, if a person has reached that hudurul ilah, and the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the pre- it has reached the point where, of course, they're not fooling themselves, but they really are in the presence of Allah now. Um, and they have benefited and are enjoying that special attention of Allah and special grace of Allah. Previous sins will be forgotten. Forgotten, why? Because of insa', he says. Insa' means to make you forget. Allah makes them forget. This is pretty interesting. I've never read this before anywhere else. And he says this insa', which means to make someone forget something, is one of the clearest manifestations and uh, and symbols of Allah's special attention to a person who is repentant. Okay? Is a repentant is a repentant servant or um yeah, or an abd that has returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if there is no forgetting of the sin, this person who has returned to Allah, whenever they remember the sin, it will bring guilt to them. It will bring shame for them. And this will be something that will eat away at them and will hurt them. So Allah, for these people who have reached that destination, but in this life, who are an example of that uh, that death, that tashri'i death that we talked about in the beginning. And they chose to die before they die. They chose tashri'i death before takwini death that we talked about in the beginning. These people, yeah, Allah doesn't want them to suffer anymore from these types of things. And so Allah makes them forget. Um, and I know people who have reached that point where they feel not that they're fooling themselves or anything, but they feel like yeah, um, they they hardly remember their sins anymore. Not that this is because of arrogance or anything like that. No, they're looking forward. They're looking at Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, inshallah, and moving in that direction. And so, automatically, slowly, things uh, fade away. And this, he says, is one of the blessings of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So this is uh, the chapter of Tawbah. Yeah, uh, I added some as well. Um, points from outside from Imam Khomeini and the veils of light and darkness I felt that that was something important um, inshallah in our next session we will move on to the chapter of Zuhd and see what he has to say there Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen